Today's show is going to be all about music, and I know I've started this whispering before, but I have something very exciting I've got to do before I start the podcast. Don't ask me how, but a few strings were pulled, and I am here with the National Concert Orchestra. They're doing a remote concert of movie music, and pulled a fast one. I convinced them I knew how to play violin, and now I have to play the opening solo on this John Williams medley. Oh, starting. <laughs> Wish me luck. Hold on, I can get this. One more time. watched a film and you get a creeping feeling that something's about to go wrong or that something magical's in the air even when the pictures on screen are totally ordinary. Have you ever felt a lump in the back of your throat at a scene where no one's talking but the emotions are all too real? I don't need a hanky I said. All too often it's a magical combination of image, sound and music that makes a movie sing. The music chosen by the team in a film plays with our emotions. It can help make us cheer up without words and put the hairs of your neck on end at an approaching scare. Oh no, the shark. Jenny Nicky, he's coming. Your fingers in your ears can sound half as scary. Oh yeah, drink a cup of tea. Yeah, thanks, Nabun. Why do you think music does this? It gives you more like of a pop-up. It feels more exciting. If it's like really upbeat music, you're focused on the movie, like, what happened to Nick? Music plays a part in almost all films, but some more than others. Movie musicals are like an avalanche of storytelling through music. I really like musicals. I think it makes it more exciting. The music in the musical is more dramatic. My favourite musical is The Greatest Showman. My favourite song is The Other Side. I'm Zoe and I'm 11. I live in Wicklow. The film I've watched more than anything else is The New Aladdin. I think I've lost count of the amount of times I've watched it. I just prefer the real life characters because for me it's more believable. I like Trudy Trudy Bang Bang. I do like musicals. The Muppet movie is a musical kind of. It's like we're gonna make a sequel, gonna be worse than the first or whatever. What makes a movie musical good? Shows that work brilliantly on stage don't always make for musicals that work on screen. <laughs> but, almost without us noticing, some of the biggest films for kids of the past decade have been interlinked musical showpieces. From Letting It Go with Frozen, to the insanely catchy songs of Moana. Disney films have a long tradition of sliding music and song in to help the story. I think it's really easy to say I don't like musicals. Sure, I'll try it. I don't like musicals. And I think that's true, but then I remember Mary Poppins or even Mary Poppins Returns. The chaos of Little Shop of Horrors or The Blues Brothers. I'm willing to change and embrace my inner glee. We're putting on a show. Nikki, we can't. No shows till after they've sorted out the vaccine. Oh yeah. Save the arts. The one person who's going to convince us better than anyone is Shah. Shah, I want a musical that'll convince people who don't even like musicals that they should like musicals. Can I say musicals one more time? Musicals. This week we're talking about a musical called Singing in the Rain from 1953. That is so long ago, like my parents were barely even born then. 
I mean, it's known for being one of the best musicals ever. It's got some of the best dance sequences ever. But it's also just a really fun story. So way back, even before 1953, so uh, before the 1920s, cinema was silent because they weren't able to put sound on things. So you couldn't hear what people were saying. A lot of you have probably never seen a silent film, uh, but it's really interesting. They would have music, but like a little flashcard would come up and it would say what the people were saying. So someone would walk into a room and walk towards someone and give them a hug and then a card would come up saying, hello, I haven't seen you in ages. And that was what silent films were. And quite often if you go to the ci- if you went to the cinema back then, there'd be a pianist there who would be playing the score along with the film. So it wasn't even on the film. Singing in the Rain is about the period of time when that stopped happening and actors had to speak. And this did happen in Hollywood. A lot of people who were really famous movie stars struggled because they didn't have cool voices. If you don't like musicals, I think this is a good one to watch anyway because it's not really, like there's not too many songs but also it's quite comic. So there's a lot of really fun numbers. You may be familiar with the title song Singing in the Rain. Gene Kelly walking around, sploshing around in the rain. It's beautifully made sequence. Just singing in the rain. What a glorious feel and I'm happy again. Another one that it's it's a musical number, but it's just really amazing to look at is uh, Donald O'Connor doing Make Him Laugh. Short people have long faces. And long people have short faces. Big people have little humour and little people have no humour at all. And it's basically just a, a one comedy shot after another. And it's just about making people laugh. But it's a, a feat of physicality. Really famously, he like runs up the wall and does a somersault. And it's really, really cool. All obviously done by him on his own. There's no such thing as CGI back then. It's really bright and funny and it's very sweet. Gene Kelly is one of my favourite movie stars. I absolutely love him. He's a brilliant dancer. He's a brilliant singer. He's very charming. And he actually directed this film along with Stanley Dolan. So I think he did a lot of the kind of more the choreographing of dance sequences, not just the dance choreography, but just that's something that is a whole other skill unto itself. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Obviously, when you go to see a musical on stage, it's all played out right in front of your eyes. But there's a whole other craft to doing that when you're making a film. I would say you probably should like musicals to watch this film. There is a lot to it, though. If you, if you just like comedies, I think you might enjoy this film as well. But I mean, any age could enjoy this film. There's nothing in it that's weird or dark. It's uh, it's fun. It's so brightly coloured. I think if you stuck a baby in front of the television while this was on, they'd probably just love it. From where I stand, the sun is shining all over the place. The costumes are gorgeous and there's two different types of failing movie star. One is the one who's like, how do I make myself better? And the other is like, I'm the best. So, you know, I'm never going to fail. You know, it is actually about a time. It does actually address a lot of things that would have come up around that time. So if you're interested in Hollywood and finding out maybe a little bit more about the world of movies back in the golden age, as they called it, this one would be for you. It's kind of for any age, but I'd say if you're eight to ten plus your granny, you'll love it. I would describe Singing in the Rain as delightful, bright and energetic. People can watch Singing in the Rain on Apple or Amazon or on Google Play. Dancing and singing in the rain. Sha, I think I'm convinced. 
Let us know if you've any favourite musicals or have a memory of a piece of music that brought you to the edge. Simply send a voice memo to junior at rt.ie. From musicals to movie music in general, some films have soundtracks so good you don't even need to see the film to appreciate it. The piece Lux Eterna by Clint Mansell was made for film, but it's now used everywhere in trailers and elsewhere. The same for Philip Glass's score to Quinn Escazzi. Instrumental music can have every bit as much of an impact as music with words. I know this podcast is all about movies, but I also know that the line between films, TV and computer games gets blurrier every day. As your game's console gets ever more advanced, the games you play become all the more cinematic, and the music that scores them has to up its game too. These days, Oscar-worthy conductors and composers flit effortlessly between making music for film and computer games. Sure, let's talk to the first ever woman to conduct the orchestra at the Oscars. Hi everyone, my name is Emer Noon. I'm a composer and a conductor. I work mostly with orchestras and on music for films and video games. My job is either performing in front of the orchestra, conducting the orchestra, or writing for the orchestra. And that's working with films, working with video games, working with R&B artists, working with rock artists, working with holograms. Who can take a sunrise, sprinkle it with dew? One of my favourite films and favourite books of all time is Willy Wonka's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And that sweet shop in that film, you know, the Candyman, that's what I'm like with the orchestra and the choir. But film and video games allow us to even add to that. So you have all the instruments of the orchestra, you have all the instruments of the choir, and the directors, they say, we want this to sound like a completely different world that no human being has ever been in before. And I said, well, when we combine instruments from different cultures, we can make a new culture. And then sometimes we'll make electronic instruments that are completely different. We get to do fun things like that. And to me, that's like being in a candy shop. Cause the candy man thinks it Composing for film, your job is really to help bring out the emotional content of the scene. I remember years ago working on a horror movie, and this is kind of the best example. I worked on a film starring Kiefer Sutherland, where I was the orchestrator, which meant that I helped the composer make all of his ideas work for the orchestra and sound like a film score. And when we saw the film, it was something like, well, man walks into a kitchen, man opens cupboard, there's nothing in the cupboard, man looks in the mirror, man walks out of kitchen. You're going, gosh, this is just like, you know, making a cup of tea. Then you add the music and you have this ominous, oh my God, oh my God, don't go into the kitchen. What's in there? Don't go, don't go. Oh, he's going in, he's going in. I can't believe it. No, don't open that cupboard. Don't open that cupboard. What's in there? Oh my God, what's in there? Phew, there's nothing in the cupboard. And then he looks in the mirror and the music is telling you, oh my gosh, is this an evil mirror? Is it a magic mirror? What's he going to see? Is something going to pop up behind him in his reflection? And that's what music does. It takes what could be a guy going and making a cup of tea and turns it into this suspenseful, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And that's that's what's really exciting for us, to really bring the audience directly into the emotion of the character in that moment. And we have certain things that we look at when we're scoring a film. We call it point of view. POV, filmmakers call it. So you're always wondering, whose point of view is this in the scene? Is it the guy who's walking into the kitchen? 
Is it his point of view, what he's thinking about, what he's feeling? Am I writing music about what he's feeling in this moment? Is it the point of view of the audience? Does the audience know something that he doesn't know? Has the audience seen another character in the corridor that he doesn't know is there? Does the audience know something more? Am I scoring now what the audience knows that he doesn't know? It's the audience point of view. Or is it the point of view of the guy who's hiding around the corner? So we talk about point of view with the directors. Whose point of view are we scoring? Because that makes the music very, very different. And what we're trying to do is tell a story with sound, to paint pictures with sound. Sometimes you're trying to describe a scene and there's a battle and there's a storm and then there's, there's peace and tranquility, whatever the scene is. But sometimes you're just trying to describe an emotion. And it's fascinating. We still do not understand why certain musical things give us goosebumps. We know things that we can understand, things that make us feel sad, but things that, that make us feel elevated and proud and, and energized. We still don't understand the relationship between our, our actual bodies and the vibrations that certain chord changes make inside of us. We have certain techniques that we know, but someone like John Williams will take all of those little techniques and tricks and, and take them inside of himself and turn out something completely unique that stirs your imagination and your emotions in a way that nobody else has done before. And it's very exciting to look at another composer's work and to analyze it and, and to be a fan. And all the best musicians I know are massive fans of other musicians and other composers and music in general. Being excited about other composers and other artists helps you to be excited in your own work. The first film that I watched that made me desperately want to be a film composer was Willow, the score by James Horner. And I am also a huge fan of John Williams, but I heard this incredible, ethereal, magical, fantastical score that married two worlds that I love very much. One is that of the orchestra and the other is of traditional world instruments. Of course, my favorites being the Irish ones. When it comes to music, I say to directors, don't worry about using musical terms. Leave that to us. Just give me lots and lots of adjectives. I want to feel the heat in this scene. I want it to be really intense. That will inform the instrumentation that I will use. First of all, look at films that you really like and try and figure out where the peaks are and where the booms hit. Where, If you have something that's building, building, building to a moment, okay, the music editor would have gone in and made sure that that moment arrived at exactly the right time. When we work on films, we have something that we call the temp score, the temporary score. And it's for the filmmakers and the editors to be able to edit their scenes musically and rhythmically. So they'll take music that already exists and cut it into the film. If you're editing existing music to your film, first thing to do is look at other films and then try different things. Throw a piece of music up against it and you go, wow, that just made my, my horror movie into a comedy. That's really funny. In fact, Craig, my husband, made a film 
with our son when he was two years of age, riding his tricycle down the street to our, our local ruin, the Abbey here in Kilconnell. And he did a comedic score for it, and then he did a horror score for it, just to show how different the music makes. One was this little guy, goofball, going on his tricycle, going down the road, and it was really quirky and cute. And the other was like, oh my God, what's going to happen to this child? <laughs> so just throw up lots of things against picture and see how they work. And sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes there's something that hits your picture from the existing music that you hadn't seen or you see you're seen differently based on just just trying things you know going about it the music editor way first that's where you learn so 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 much everybody manages to keep their childlike imagination alive because we have to come up with things out of thin air that become real. And we have to have faith in that. And we have to keep our imagination healthy. If I'm excited about something, it's not work anymore. So if I start with the excitement, it's gonna be a, a good ride. The latest film for which Emer has done the music is Two by Two Overboard. And apparently the director is one of the best she's ever worked with. My favourite director of the moment, who we just worked with on the sequel to 2 by 2 It's been 147 days since the Great Flood, and only the animals lucky enough to find a place on the Ark have survived. The director, Toby, he's German, and he is totally fun to work with. The way he gets inside of his imagination and explains things to us, it makes you excited. He's the kind of director that, for the animators, will jump around the room and show them how he wants the scene to feel and look and act out the parts, and he's totally in it. Hey, guys! What did I miss? 2 by 2 Overboard will be available online soon. Emer spoke about music editors, the people who cut the music to picture to make it work perfectly. Well, today's tip is not all about music, but it is all about the perfect cut. I couldn't exactly get Sean to put on a musical song and dance show, although I don't doubt for a second he could. Today, Sean steps into the edit suite. This week, we're going to be talking about editing. Now, editing a film is taking all of the footage you shot and deciding what order you want to put it in to tell the story you hope to at the very beginning. At first, the idea of editing a video can be very scary. It can be quite hard knowing where to start. But don't worry, there are some great apps out there that can help you get started. These apps at first might seem kind of confusing or maybe a little bit intimidating, but before you know it, you'll know them like the back of your hand. What does that button do? Would you just swipe? Ah, you ruined the whole film. I didn't have a clue with my first editing software, but within a week, I'd already figured out most of the basics. And the Oscar for editing goes to... One of the best phone apps for editing is iMovie, and I used to use this all of the time when starting out. You can add your own music, titles, sound effects, and more. If you or your parents have an iPhone or iPad, you can use this app for only five euro. On some devices, the app is even free. If you or your parents have an Android phone, don't worry. There are still plenty of apps out there for you to use. Filmora Go is a great video editor which has a bunch of features. For example, you can export your video at different ratios, you can change the speed of clips, you can crop your shots, and way more. As mentioned before, it can be tough to figure it out at first, but before you know it, you'll be a pro. Filmora Go is also available on iPhones or iPads. The thing with making films is that it's always going to cost some money. And you know what? We're not all made of money. And that's why we sometimes need the support of our parents. Now, I've been very lucky with my parents, and hopefully you'll be lucky with yours too. Sean, can you explain to me again why it is that you need us to spend 8,000 euro on a drone for your opening shot? If you and your parents are okay with spending some money, the best app out there is Splice. 
Now you can get a free trial for a month with this app, but unfortunately after that, it will cost 11 euro per month. Try out the trial and see what you think. It does have some amazing features, but Fillmore Go and iMovie still both do the trick. Maybe we should just start with the basics for now. Mom, I'm going to my room. Parcels for Mrs. Spielberg? Yes, that's me. One tip I have for editing would be to order your shots in a way that makes the scene flow well. For example, you can put a wide shot first, as this establishes where the actors are, their positions, then you can cut to a close-up shot of one of your actors, and then a close-up shot of the other actor, and so forth. This allows your audience to really focus on what's happening. Who's your man? He's the bad guy. How'd you know that? Big close-up on shifty eyes early on. Now, a very important part of editing is using music. In the apps Filmora Go, Splice, and iMovie, you can use music from your phone's music library. Don't worry, however, if you have no music here. What you can do is record music from another device using the voiceover tools. Be careful, though, as music is usually copyrighted. This means that people aren't allowed to use them without permission from the artist. What do you mean you can't get Billy Eilish's manager on the phone? Thankfully, there is lots of copyright-free music available online if you search for it. But if you make music or know someone who does, maybe think of making your own. What happens when you hold that note? Oh yeah, I like that. Try and choose music that boosts the impact of a scene. For example, if there is a sad scene in the film, it would not feel right to play happy music over that, would it? Listen to different pieces of music and think which piece works best. We've lost everything, Jonathan. Cutting to the music in the edit is another thing to remember, and I actually often find this to be very satisfying and quite fun. This basically means that when there is a significant change in the song, you cut one shot and start playing another. Finally, always remember to give the musician who created the music credit at the end of your film. Don't worry if you find editing difficult at first. It really can be quite a tough thing to figure out. In my opinion, the phrase practice makes perfect is so relevant here. It's so important to remember. While we aren't looking for perfection, we are looking for improvement. And practice will definitely result in you improving. It's all up there on the screen. I'm a genius. Here is the challenge for this week. If you have two pieces of footage, try placing them one after the other and then changing the end point of one and the start of the next, until the edit almost disappears. You might not notice a good edit, but you will definitely see a bad one. Great tip, Sean. If you are making a film, or at the point where you have a pile of footage you want to turn into a masterpiece, let us know. We'd love to cover it at Movies or Magic. Just email junior at rte.ie. It might be too tall an order to ask any of you to come up with a musical idea, but maybe let's find a seriously dramatic situation and see what you do with it. Hello, my name is Woody and my age is nine. It'll be about a robot and he basically, he comes out of the factory, but he, every time he walks, his arms are just like going in circles and he's like, oh, hello. And then, yeah, he basically just destroys the whole town, the whole city, actually. He's just like going around, like doing everyday stuff, but then he's just destroying everything while he's at it. He's a good guy, but he doesn't notice his arms going around. He's just like, this that's what humans see. When they're walking, they just see arms flailing in front of them. So he's just like, he doesn't think anything about it. He thinks he's just doing this, but he's doing this. <laughs> his name is Ruben. At one point, he goes into a laundry place and people hook his arms up to a laundry machine. He does that and they tell him to get a treadmill and start walking. And then it just powers the machine because it's hooked up to his arms. 
and his arms are just actually strong. In the end of the film, someone kidnaps him and brings him to a mechanic where he gets his arms fixed so he can walk normally without destroying everything. This film will be called Ruben Havoc. Ruben Havoc, coming soon to a YouTube channel near you. Okay, recommendations time. And for a self-confessed musical avoider, I've come to realise that there are so many amazing ones out there. Ah, Janie, Nikki, I remember the time you dressed up as the Wicked Witch of the West and you fell in your bum when you couldn't make a broom actually fly. Granny, I was four at the time, and I thank you to keep my secrets. Ah, Nikki, you know me, I'm an open book on all the things that embarrass you. Redner. I could find a letter, Granny, so bite your tongue. Yeah, whatever. Right, whistle stop tour through some genius films where music makes things fly. Firstly, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Crazy storyline, bonkers flights of fancy, but killer songs. And the film was written by Roald Dahl. Someone to care for, to be there for, I have you too. Next up, kids dress up as gangsters, driving cars with pedals, and having an endless stream of food fights. Alan Parker directs an amazing cast in Bugsy Malone. So you wanna be a boxer in the golden ring? Can you punch like a southbound freight train? Tell me just one thing. And finally, something a bit more recent. This one is rated 12A, but it's phenomenal. Sing Street is the story of a teenager in a boys' school in Dublin in the 1980s who just wants to start a band. Just hearing that, I think I might actually love musicals. And now, I'm going to sing. You're the voice of a toad, Nicky. Don't get me wrong, I'd love you, you're a trier. How could I fly with you holding me back, Granny? No, Nicky, it's your vocal cords that do that for you. <laughs> you're so mean. He's fierce delicate, isn't he? Ah, well, how are you getting on in any ways? <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Ecolution. Over the course of the series, we're going to talk bees, wees, trees, and revolution. What does that mean? Or T.E. Junior Radio.